Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Somia Evans. Somia is a family lawyer. She's a trained mediator and an experienced litigator. Somia is committed to helping clients do what's best for their families and for their children. She's been practicing exclusively family law since 2013, and in full disclosure, she joined the Miller Law Group a year and a half ago in order to continue her work with families of divorce and separation. And today we're going to talk about prenups. So welcome, Somia Evans. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Oftentimes, and we talked in your bio about your work with divorcing families, but you work often with people who are also getting married and thinking about creating a, a marital relationship that reflects what their their expectations are, and that kind of turns out to be reflected in a prenuptial agreement. So what is a prenup for people who are listening and might not know? A lot of people have heard about it. I think a lot of people think, oh, that's for the rich and famous, but what does it actually do? So a prenup, just plainly put, is an agreement between a couple who is thinking about getting married. And it usually includes financial issues, financial decisions. And sometimes includes some non-financial issues as well, but mostly financial. And it's meant to create guidelines and policies that the couple will follow in the event that they get divorced or if there's a death. So who should think about it? I mean, so I think a lot of times people think that a prenuptial agreement is kind of cynical, that, you know, how come we're planning the end of our marriage and divorce before we've even said, I do? And what do you think about that? I think everyone should consider a prenup. I know even I thought forever, it's for the rich and the famous and for your average 20-year-old who's working a W-2 job, maybe it doesn't make sense, but it does actually make sense. One, you know, just between the couple, it's just good to have those discussions. Like, what does everyone have? What debts does everyone have? And what are your your thoughts on on how it's going to be treated? How are you going to combine your finances or not combine them, as it may be? So it's really important, one, to have those discussions. But most importantly, divorce is is just messy for, for many reasons. Obviously, the emotion, all of the pieces attached to it. And a part of it is that the law is not always clear on what is marital and what is separate. And so people come into a marriage maybe with ideas of, well, this is mine and I have it and it's my income or it's my account and therefore it's mine. And they don't know any differently until they have to speak to a divorce lawyer or until they hear something. So their friend Somia tells them what it is. And so it's just good to want to have those discussions, but also to try to clean up that messiness. So there's a game plan if anything goes wrong. So it sounds like you're saying a few things. And one thing is that 
the working on a prenuptial agreement before a couple gets married gives them the opportunity to talk about their expectations about what the marital partnership is going to be, what each person's contributions are going to be, what each person brings with them as a benefit and maybe as a burden in the terms of debt or something like that, and to talk about expectations maybe for working or earning or saving and spending before they're in over their heads. That's one thing you said. Is that right? Right. And an, and another thing is even thinking about in the event this does not work out, this marriage does not work out and ends in divorce, how you're going to sort that out in an effort to keep things as simple as possible and what would be and what will be a difficult time. I mean, divorce is hard, right? Yeah, it definitely is. And what about estate planning? You know, should people be thinking about prenups with regard to their estates? What happens when they die to their money? Oh, absolutely. Certain states have set requirements on for um, for sort of statutory rules on who gets and how much a spouse gets, and that may not always make sense. For example, if you were married before and you have children from prior marriage, you may want to set up your estate so that your children are protected. And again, you may want to also set it up so your spouse gets more than a child might get. It just allows you to customize it, really, to your specific situation. So, all right. So, go back to the people you were talking about before. A couple in their twenties, W two employees, meaning they're they're just employees. They don't, you know, they don't have any particularly amassed wealth. Why should those people think about a prenup? Well, one, obviously, it's important to have the discussions. You know, people still, especially now, come into a marriage with debts like student loans, and there should be some discussion about how that gets handled in the case of a divorce, including how it gets paid off. But also because people who get married also bring in their families in a way. Most often, you have situations where someone may be inheriting some amount of money, or someone may be able to work or is working in a family business, or someone is working a W-2 job and then they they decide to go get their master's in, in social work or something else. And all of that suddenly becomes up for grabs in certain ways. I mean, there is, you know, without getting too technical, there is obviously separate property in New York, which is defined. But what people don't always realize is that there are ways to sort of treat separate property so it becomes marital. So people might accidentally treat their inheritance or a business or anything like that so that it converts to a marital property. And then you're sort of stuck in that way. Just for the benefit of our listeners who might not know what separate and marital property is, why don't you define what what is separate and what is marital and what's why does it matter? Sure. So marital property is any property that was acquired by either party during the marriage, from date of marriage till basically date of separation or filing. Um, and that is in everything, including the income that you earn or the money you keep in an account that you believe is your account. And separate property is property that you owned, one, before the marriage, two, that you, in New York at least, acquire through an inheritance, three, and that is a gift from somebody that is not your spouse and a gift to you, and then anything that comes from those sources. So all of that is separate property as I understand it, meaning that separate property is not divided between the spouses in a divorce, whereas marital property generally is. Right. And so what about, you talked also, Sonia Evans, about 
people who have children from a prior marriage or prior relationship, why should those people consider a prenuptial agreement? Because you want to protect, you might want to protect your children's interests, whether it is an estate interest or whether it's your, their rights to any property that you may have. Because if you, if you have separate property and you get married without a prenup and it converts to marital property, now there's a certain higher percentage of it that may be up for grabs by your new spouse that when you may, when you were thinking that it should actually go to your children or your children should have access to that. So in order to protect children from the previous relationship, from having their inheritance whittled away either in divorce or in the death of their parent before their step-parent. Is that right? Right. Right. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast, Divorce Dialogues, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Soumya Evans about prenuptial agreements, and I want our listeners to know that if you have any questions about prenups or any other matrimonial law, law relating to your marriage, please give us a call in the office at 914-862-7487 or visit our website website, westchesterfamilylaw.com, and see if we have an answer for you or can give you some help. So just to move on and talking about prenuptial agreements, I think sometimes people think that prenuptial agreements are something that a wealthy, betrothed person asks a poorer person to do, and it, and it has a sort of feeling, I think, in that situation of unfairness. You know, do you think that prenuptial agreements are unfair or, you know, what are the circumstances that make it more or less fair? Right. So there's the stereotype of the, you know, someone coming in two days before the wedding with a document that says, sign this or you, we're not getting married. And that is very much, not that it, that doesn't happen, but that is very much, I think, a fiction. Actually, I think that prenups could really even the playing field between a couple where one person is much better off than the other, partly because you must disclose your assets or you, you really should disclose your assets and what you have in order to enter into the prenup. So you have a better idea of what this person has, what everyone has. Okay. And so what about if you're just being asked, one person's just being asked to waive everything, meaning give up any rights to property or, or anything like that, and the threat is, okay, then I won't marry you. You know, what do you think about that? I mean, this, you know, not to give legal advice to anyone out there who might be in that situation, but I, we do hear that here sometimes, and it feels, I think, you know, unbalanced and unfair, but there is some power there, right? What do you think about that? Right. There is, but it's, you know, in those situations, that's absolutely why you need lawyers involved because a lawyer would be able to say, you know, it's not valid to wave away everything or you need to do it knowingly what you are waving away with after having someone explain to you all of the things that you would be entitled to. And there are reasons that people do it and there are reasons that make sense to them and that's fine. Great. So what about maintenance, which is what we call alimony in New York. Well, before we get to that, what are things that a prenuptial agreement cannot do? So a prenuptial agreement cannot discuss terms for child support or custody. Those are really determined at the time. And child support especially does not belong to either party. It really belongs to the children. So the parents can't really contract away their child support, the child's right to child support in a prenuptial agreement, particularly when the children may not even exist. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that I think that it's a little different. My understanding is it's a little different if the children are already born or if they're not. And of course, typically, people have children after they get married. But these days, more and more, sometimes people have children before they get married. And I think the situation is a little bit different. But children could definitely be off limits and any financial or parenting arrangements between them. I think what you're saying, Samia Evans, is that those are potentially not something that can be dealt with in a prenuptial agreement. Is that right? Right. So I want to turn our attention to spousal support, what we you know, often call alimony, but what we call maintenance in New York. Is that something that can be dictated by the terms of a prenuptial agreement? Yes, absolutely. And how does that work? So, again, it can be done really in any way that the couple feels like it. Um, you may say, we don't want to talk about maintenance because we don't know what position we'll be in when we get divorced. Or you may have a, you may have a better idea of your finances and your income. And parties can waive the right to maintenance. They can waive conditionally waive their right to maintenance. For instance, if there's, they can waive it unless there's a situation where someone might become horribly injured or some you know, unforeseen circumstance like that where someone loses a job. And that just, again, helps them plan for the future and take into consideration the income they have and the assets they have. And again, just sort of going to this sort of unfairness thing. I mean, when you work with people who are getting married and working on a prenuptial agreement, and if you have an un, what seems like financially unbalanced situation, how do you help the less moneyed person, the person with fewer resources, to understand what his or her rights might be and how to negotiate for the best possible arrangement under the prenuptial agreement? Well, the first thing I would do is explain to them what I believe they would be entitled to if they did get divorced without a prenup. And so they understand what exactly they are being asked to give up and also what they may be gaining from the prenup that they may not otherwise would get if they didn't have a prenup. And that at least helps, that knowledge at least really helps people understand it better. Because a lot of people, when they're getting married, don't necessarily go in with that knowledge. So that helps people understand what they are giving up or not giving up. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. So I just want to repeat it just to make sure that it's really clear to the listeners that one thing that is very helpful as you're explaining it is that people would really understand what their rights and potential obligations are under the law without the prenup and how the prenuptial agreement might be changing it. Is that right? Right. Is that something that you like to do, working with people who are in this situation? I do like to do it, although I do find it's tough because when you're working, you know, at that point when you're working with a couple or a single person who's about to get married, everyone's sort of in the height of their love for the most part. And they don't always want to be hearing about what may happen if they get divorced, but I think it's helpful and everyone seems to appreciate getting that information, even if there's still a little bit of the you know rose-colored glasses look on, on life. What's the timing of this kind of discussion? Should this happen a week before the marriage, six months, a year before? How do you think about that? Ideally, I mean, we've again, we've all had those cases that someone's come in and said, here's a draft, we're getting married in two weeks. You'd say, oh, God. There's no real set time on when to start, but I think, you know, the earlier, the better. It's, again, just something you want to get done because you're not, as you're going up to the marriage and to the actual ceremony and figuring out seating arrangements and food and all of the last minute details. You also don't want to be talking to your lawyers about the cleanup. So the earlier you can get it done, the better. 
not just for your lawyer, but also for you. While you're sort of getting your final fitting, you know, assuming a non-COVID ceremony, right? right? And while you're sort of thinking about well, the last details about your honeymoon, you also don't want to be talking to your lawyer about your prenup. You want to get it done early enough that you really get to enjoy the experience of getting married without this negotiation hanging over your head, right? Right. And it also removes some of the stress of the negotiation if you have time to do it. And that's, I think, really great advice. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30. And I'm talking today with Somia Evans. Somia, if anybody is out there listening and thinking, you know, I've got some questions about a prenup, maybe I need one, or I've been asked for one and I don't know how to respond, how can they get in touch to learn more and, and talk to you about it? So you can absolutely contact me at the Miller Law Group at our number or email me directly, which is at S-O-U-M-A-Z-N-M-A-R-Y-A at WestchesterFamilyLaw.com. And the number, just in case you weren't listening earlier, is 914-862-7487. So again, if we're coming back to the idea of prenuptial agreements and who should have one and who should be thinking about it. I think what you said earlier, Sonia, is that really if you're thinking about getting married, you should be thinking about a prenup no matter what because you just don't know what the future holds. Is that right? Yes. And, you know, the way that I think about it is that all marriages end either by death or divorce, and the prenup agreement deals with both the end of the marriage and it might deal with, there might be a marital agreement piece of it. It talks about how much each person may contribute to a joint account and how you're going to pay the bills and all of that sort of stuff, which I think is a really great thing to talk about before you get married. And since you're spending a lot of time talking about the colors of the napkins, the menu, and the flower arrangements, it might make sense to also talk about how you're going to create this partnership going forward. Because in the law, a marriage is a financial partnership and a social unit and not just a romantic alliance, right, and a family-creating vehicle. So there are so many legal ramifications to the way the law looks at that. It really does make sense to understand what that is. I remember years ago when I was teaching a class at a law school and many of our students at the time were married and really didn't understand the implications of the marriage, even though they were law students and what that meant with regard to their estates, as you've spoken about, and what it meant with regard to what was going to be distributed between spouses in the event of the end of the marriage because of divorce. And, you know, so oftentimes we have uh, people who come from families of wealth, right? And you think about that typically either someone who created a great deal of wealth or comes from a traditionally wealthy family. And those people sometimes feel pressure from their own parents and their own families of origin to have a prenup agreement in order to protect the family's wealth and sometimes feels kind of stuck between their mom and dad saying, you have to have a prenup and we're not going to support the wedding and we're going to cut you off if you don't have a prenup and the person they love and want to spend the rest of their life with. And so what do you say to those people in terms of how to raise the topic and what might be a way of negotiating a prenup that doesn't feel quite so adversarial or aggressive? So for those people, I would say as much as you can make it seem less like 
it's my parents against you um, or mine, you know, even worse, me and my parents against you. Um, again, just with time and making sure that the other person has an attorney that maybe you or your parents actually pay for and have the ability to speak to that person. Another great option, which I've had the great opportunity to do with you, Catherine, is a, a mediated prenup where you meet with a lawyer and you both discuss the issues with a lawyer. And it's not just you each have your own lawyers as well, because that's good. (laughs) But it's good to sort of have somebody there that you can kind of discuss the issues off of. And it feels less like you're being, for your spouse at least, that they're, they're being surrounded by you and your family. So mediation is one option and a way to kind of tone down the level of the conversation and make it seem more like just conversation than it seems like a lawyer lawyering deal. Is that right? Right. And have you ever worked with someone like that who was particularly successful at introducing the idea to their fiance? Yes. When I've done mediated prenups, you know, at that point, there's there's couples who I've dealt with who are just, they're on the same page. They want a prenup. They they want to discuss the the various the terms of it they understand and it's it's great to do that because there's just an understanding between them that you know you have this resource and it's really a conversation it's not just my lawyers emailing back and forth uh different terms of the of the agreement what about on the other side of that you know let's say someone out there is listening and is dating someone who comes from a family of wealth and they're not a gold digger they're in it for the for the relationship and for the love and they're being asked to sign a prenuptial agreement should that person be offended no not at all because again you know depending on the terms of it it's to avoid really the conflict that comes with confusing things like family wealth when you get divorced. It's not always clear what happens, and it's very fact-based. So it's just helpful to have those discussions so you understand when you do or do not have certain rights. And it's also, for that person, an opportunity to ask for things that you may not get if you didn't have a prenup. In those circumstances, there's definitely an incentive for the person who does have the family wealth to get the prenuptial agreement, so they may be willing to make other concessions that would help feel the uh, help the other person feel financially secure. Yeah, I think what you're saying is that there could be something in it for you too, right? Right. And and there could be if they're asking for certain uh, agreements that their family wealth is protected. Maybe you could ask for something that gives you some security in exchange for that. Is that right? Right. Right. And 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 that it's just a conversation and not to feel that you're one down and that it's an incredible slap in the face. Because I think lots of times people do feel like that. You don't trust me. I would never do that. You know, long, long time ago, there was a New Yorker cartoon uh, and it's one woman talking to the other and she says, you never know a man until you divorce him. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish I had cut that out because it's really true, although it's not gender specific, as you never really know someone until they're really under the gun. And, And so... A prenuptial agreement. I think what you're saying, Sami Evans, is that it can really give some solidarity and some comfort to both sides that their interests, for lack of a better word, are protected and that they know what they're getting into in the marriage. They know what to expect and it, they've laid it on the table. Yes. And it also helps with, you know, if someone is being very, very difficult and very, very unfair during the, those negotiations. You know, more so than just feeling, you're feeling offended, that might also be a, a red flag. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, because maybe if it's going to be too aggressive, maybe this is something you should rethink. And maybe marrying this person, even though that's not the plan you had, is the better choice and ending the relationship. And I'm not recommending that. Anyone out there who's 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 engaged, I'm not saying, listen, if your fiancé asks for a prenup, you should end the engagement at all. I'm saying, though, that if it is too aggressive and it seems too one-sided, that's something really to consider about the way the relationship is, is going down. Yes? Yes. So just in our last 60 seconds, if anyone has, what, 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 what is the one, what's the first thing that anyone who's thinking about a prenup should ask and how should they make take the first steps? I think that the first thing they should ask is, honestly, what do we want and what do we have? Because I do find, especially with, with my friends too, there's really not much information on what everyone has. Um, so one is that, the financial disclosure. And then two, let's find a lawyer and just start talking. Let's just learn about it. And you can go from there. All right. Super. Somi Evans, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.